And welcome back to another episode of Shockwave Solutions, where we present real-life actionable insights to direct response marketers. Today, we have with us Vinny Fisher from Fully Accountable, who's a personal friend and really uh, have a tremendous amount of respect for what you do and who you are in the direct response industry. Um, and so, Vinny, just wanted to thank you and, and welcome you back. Travis, Emma, thanks for having me. You guys are always a joy to be with, and I'm thankful to call you people that I'm uh, honored to do business with. So, Thank yeah. you. Um, so for, for our audience members who may not know uh, Fully Accountable, Fully Accountable does everything from fractional CFO to bookkeeping, accounting, uh, tax prep, um, and pretty much everything in between. Um, and we've worked with a number of different financial companies with, with clients that we have at Shockwave. And I've got to say, Vinny, uh, one of the things that's been really um, impressive is just how your team is so organized in the onboarding and the execution of, uh, you know, all the different financial services that you guys provide. So I just wanted to compliment you on that because they are kicked butt time and time again. Well, so. thank you for that. I actually, later on, we'll probably talk about this, but you know, our motto is your back office solution. And so this year I approached our board, which I'm obviously part of, about expanding that whole suite of services. And two of those that look very complementary to the back office are managed HR and corporate services. Yeah. And we're launching corporate services first, but we're launching both of those one at a time. And we'll be uh, launching that here soon. Um, corporate services, as you can imagine, is forming an entity, entity management services, uh, registered agency, and then the corporate services that go around the light legal of those entities. And we'll have that live probably by March 1st. Fantastic. Yeah. Because yeah, those are always the things because <laughs> we're, we're dealing with, with clients that are getting up and either they're going or they're launching or they're trying to fix things that they set yeah, up right. and they didn't have an idea of what they were doing at the time. And actually, as accountants, we have this all the time. It, they, it, we're, our, our team of CFOs and controllers are always quarterbacking those situations. And so under that no like and trust thing, you talk about our services, mm -hmm. we decided that instead of handing off, we should take up the hard work of, of adding that and then eventually manage HR as well. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Because again, those are things that nobody really wants to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's a whole beast to, to really dive in to figure out those right. things. And um, man, you have to either bring somebody in and a lot of time, a lot of direct response companies, especially when they're starting out there, like once that transition and having somebody who's really uh, expert in, in those services specifically takes a huge load off. So we're a big advocate of, of what you guys do for your clients. And I'm excited actually about the HR piece and uh, corporate services. That's great. Thanks. Yeah. So, um, you know, you guys have a wealth of knowledge and information when it comes to finance. And I know that there's um, a lot of things that direct response marketers kind of, you know, they're shoot, aim, fire, <laughs> yeah. you know, ready, ready, shoot, fire, or aim. And, um, you know, one of the things that I, I wanted to kind of talk to you a little bit about was uh, when you guys are working with clients, what's kind of the best time? Where do you like to spend the time and strategy on putting things together? Are there things that, that you see that looking back and you're like, oh, if they just did X, Y, and Z, like their life would be so much easier when it comes to uh, managing their finances or setting up their company or, or, or any of those types of elements that you see kind of like a shortcoming that is common in, in the internet marketing space? You know, I, I think uh, some people may not know our story, but our story starts with the reality that I'm one of those entrepreneurs that didn't have any of those things and shoots from the hip and uh, has a really strong opinion about something and then figures it out as they go along. And, yeah. you know, when we set out to do fully accountable, it was from the premise of fixing the things I didn't have. 
Okay. And so a lot of the stuff in direct response and high, you know, heavy transaction type businesses uh, is, is exactly the needs that I had in our operating companies before we had fully accountable. So, you know, merchant reconciliations, daily balance reports, um, closing out books weekly, daily, and monthly, uh, having uh, access to uh, at any given time, what it costs to acquire the customer. These are all things that I needed in our large e-commerce business that didn't exist at the time that yeah. we built Fully Accountable. And so someone's always like, why Why do you have all these things? I'm like, because I needed them. <laughs> and so then it was during that process that you know we started to realize there was a huge uh hole in the marketplace that was more than just me having that problem. And so your question looks like, you know, when did we know? Well, we knew before we started even building it. And mm-hmm. we're, it, it's funny, we could help every business from zero to you name the dollar number. We started uh, maturing our, our, our offering and realizing that we could help um, something beyond an early stage or start, startup business. Because first and foremost, I think a, a business owner, uh, has to have a, a converting offer. And a converting offer means you have customers. Right. Right? A lot of times we can be, you know, that whole idea that you create a business card or a website or do all these <laughs> things, like you can overdo too much in the beginning before curating or perfecting your offer. And it's only that after you have kind of client momentum, should you really be like hiring someone like Emma and proving your operational <laughs> excellence? Because there's nothing really to excellence unless you have customers, right? Well, right. finance kind of in that category, right? You kind of create areas of a leaky bucket by actually having customers. And it's during that process of growth that really what you need to do is and it's so hard to do. I, I did this to myself over and over, but as the leader who created the offer, it's so hard to switch your mindset to fixing the internal parts of your business and, and always not being in growth mode. So my answer, long answer to a very easy question is when it's switching from maturing the inside of your business, from actually the need to grow the front side of it, that's always the struggle of when the back office is equally or more important than the initial part of the front office. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Um, I got to just point out one of the other things, like, because we've worked with a number of different financial companies, different clients over the years. And um, the other thing that I I just love about your team is not only are they providing like for the CFO services, like providing, you know, the accounting and reconciliation and reporting that's applicable to what their business is every single week, but they are also giving recommendations based on that data. And um, I think that's something that I, that I think is pretty unique in the space because we, like I said, we work with different companies and they're just providing information and they're there if you have questions. But a lot of times you don't know the questions to ask when you're a direct response guy or you're, or you're starting out or you're trying to figure all this stuff out. And so having somebody that's there to say, hey, are you looking at these things? Or it looks like these numbers have kind of shifted, um, you know, or, or, or are we, you know, uh, doing the, the proper accounting? Should we make this transition over? And so they're practically making suggestions on things to be looking at or things to be proactively doing as opposed to just here's information. Good luck figuring it out. You know, our story about thanks for that. I really actually you don't know how big of a compliment that really is, because um, at the beginning of our uh, of kind of the origin story of Fully Accountable, you know, Chris, who is my business partner, who was also the CFO of our, you know, mid eight figure health company at the time, uh, came in and handed me some financials and said, after you review them, let me know what you think. Well, I legit chucked him at him and said, why don't you let me know what you think before I worry about what I think? That was probably covering up my shame for not being able to read the financials at the time. 
But honestly, I wanted his opinion. I wanted to be able to springboard off of it more than kind of asking bad questions or no questions at all. And so that started um, my offense, which I wanted to not continue through this industry, which is hand out these really pretty reports with no analysis. And so we, every report that goes out has at least three touch points is kind of our model. And, you know, we have to have three kind of opinions or state some things that may or may not be the obvious to whoever's looking at it. And quite honestly, we know uh, clients look at those first before they look at the stuff. And, um, and so that's actually part of the bedrock of our, uh, you know, our core value of caring, you know, we have to care enough to provide the, the insight and be willing to risk either being wrong or you being disappointed with our opinion. Yeah. Well, and honestly, you know, from our perspective, and this really kind of speaks to Emma, I think more directly, you know, part of who she is, is action, right? So why, you know, you're, you're giving me this information. What do I need to do with it? What's yeah. good, you know, what do, how do I implement it? How do I execute it? What do I, what can I do from, from this point now that I have this vantage point? Um, and so proactively providing that is, okay, we got it. We know what to do. <laughs> you know, here we go. Hey, refunds are going up. Great. We're going to jump into, you know, customer service or, you know, whatever it is, lifetime values coming down. So, you know, what's going on there. And, and you know, what's amazing about that is uh, you'd be surprised how long we've been having to train into this issue. You know, accountants are a professional like anything else, right? And so you mm-hmm. study it being good at your trade, right? A doctor, I'm a lawyer, right? So I study it being good at my trade. You know, Emma's a professional operator. So she studies it being good at her trade. Not everyone is as good as a salesman as you, Travis, but you study it being okay. good at your trade. And um, accountants do number crunching, right? They don't do right. people. They don't do right. like communication. And so- they're intimidated by our successful entrepreneur owners that they, he or she has done such a great job growing a business. Well, quite often my, you know, CFO would say, well, why do they want my opinion? And because I'm like, you're the most savvy financial expert on their team. Of course they want your opinion. And so uh, it, now it's just a cultural bedrock. And it, my encouragement to anybody who's listening to us today is to really dial in on the, what I consider customer service element of whatever it is you do, because yeah. Ultimately, I think it's one of the value propositions that really sets us apart from a lot of people. It's what we offer in the way of uh, opinion and analysis. Yeah. Um, I'm going to kind of switch gears a little bit, if yeah. you don't mind. Sure. Um, because I've, I've also had the privilege of spending a little bit of time with, with you one-on-one or, or at a mastermind, or even just you and my wife spending a little bit of time and, yeah. and talking through. And I, and I appreciate um, some of the things that you shared with me over, the, over this time that we've had. Um, about investing in your people and really, you know, building the culture of your company. Um, and if you wouldn't mind kind of sharing a little bit of, of uh, you know, your perspective on that, I know you really do. And especially over the last several years, I think you've really invested more intentionally into your team members and developing your company and your cultures and your executives. And if you share a little bit about that, I think that's a fantastic model. And um, something that is when we're talking about things that can be implemented specifically, Investing your team is probably the best investment I think you can you can make. Yeah, I, I first off 100% agree with that last comment. Investing in your team is a best investment. Two things about that. One is I think it's fair. Everyone knows I I've done a lot of self reflection, 
and looking at my own personal skill sets, I'm a people person first, not a systems person first. So for someone like me, I'm building on my strengths with people. For someone who's more of a systems person, they're gonna have to work differently at that same criteria. Uh, So Rachel, who's my business partner, also our COO would be a systems person first, Right. right? So to take the robot and make her amazingly love the people filter that I would run through the company, just, you know, took some a time investment. And I'd, I'd say that, you know, early on, one of my mentors who was big into investing in yourself was like, Vin, you got to do the self-work internally and discover things. Well, I discovered about myself that I like to start things. I like a zero to one, <laughs> like some people might describe. And I don't really like the one to 10 part. I kind of flake out or if something, I want to go start something else. And so I surrounded myself by a couple one to 10 people. And I I realized early, I would pick me as a starter in most businesses. And I would, if someone wanted a starter, I would encourage them to come after someone like me. But when you look at the quality of the underpinnings of our business, I realized that I needed more one to tens, people who really wanted to every day improve uh, the market position and the offering of what Mm -hmm. we have. And I, I knew I loved people. I just loved it. And so, holy cow, why not invest the parts that I know to do? And so throughout that, we just really turned all of our focus inward. And we knew that if we could really dive our team and make them better and more objectively like what they do, that that would then translate into something better for the clients. Now you can read that in all kinds of books, but we did the hard work of doing that and, right. and continue to do the hard work of doing that. It's stupid hard. I, I don't want to paint a picture like that's easy work because uh, it requires you to do things like always use encouraging words that are uplifting and <laughs> beneficial to those who are listening so that it may help them in their moment of need, not you. It ha- makes you realize to put their needs in front of your own. Uh, and all that, you know, there's the today's world's got like a self take care of yourself kind of world. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, and there's a lot of value in some of that, but it's also runs opposite of this take care of your team first approach. And I think we've been a little bit countercultural on that. And um, uh, we've invested time, money, and resources in areas that we knew would pay off later. And we're in that later now. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit of an act of faith almost uh, to see those long-term things. And, you know, you're putting something out there, you're hoping that it's going to develop and really have the result that you're, or, or result beyond what you're anticipating. But you just know, like, if you, if you continue to make that investment, that there, there's going to be some growth that happens that will have a reward and kind of a little garden that you, that you And build. I think I have to tell a messy part right now. Like, okay. I think it's fair because I, I love it when we all have the rah-rah talk. But yeah. I got to get under the hood and be honest. Like end of 2017, early 18, we had a breakup at the executive level. We had a mm. fracture and the fracture happened around this topic. You know, there was more that wanted to invest in systems and stuff. And, and, and then there was a fraction that would have been around me that wanted to invest more in people, spend some money, get ready for uh, another level of growth. Well, we ended up removing someone from our executive team and we were probably one more board meeting away from going two and two. Wow. And um, we were right at razor's edge of three of us, not kind of agreeing uh, I'm thankful we got through all that. Actually, I think we're a better partnership now for getting through that. But there was this clear divide of like, wait a minute, that's going to take three or four years to come to fruition. We could have stronger profits now if we kind of went with more of a traditional model. And we just 
you know, even though I own a majority share, I really value a partner's opinion. So we were like one man, one vote type stuff. And we were like right there. Mm -hmm. Like, and like, so Chris, Rachel and myself who own the company sat around and we still do actually remind ourselves of that time because everyone wants to celebrate this like soon to be eight figure enterprise (laughs) and all this great stuff and all these people. We were like one bad sleepy night from breaking up. You know, I, I love that you share that um, for a couple of different reasons, because I think a number of people in the space um, actually start out with some sort of partnership. And sometimes they don't really spend that much time uh, thinking through how that partnership works, how it makes decisions. Um, you know, Em and I have shared this before, but, you know, one of the things that we did, when we talked through a bunch of things at the beginning, <laughs> but one of the things that we did is, um, and this is something that I kind of pulled from my marriage, like, when Sharon and I have a decision that we're trying to make and trying to figure out in a direction to move forward in, if we're not in unity about the direction we move forward in, we don't move forward. Nice. Um, and when, until you're running a business, right? So this isn't the only thing he wanted to go over either. Video. This is like, like I'm, I'm talking like weeks of three, four nights a week, talking for two to three hours. And we just move Travis. Come on, let's go. <laughs> like it takes 15 minutes to fill out the LLC paperwork. What's the problem? He wanted to talk about exit strategy and if we're in an argument or if you steal um, an accident or on purpose, everything. Can you steal on accident? Yes. I steal constantly on that. He bought a pizza one time. Um, I click <laughs> buttons. Like if I get it, if I get things in my email, I'll just click until it goes away. I've paid invoices for people on accident before. For sure, you can steal an accident. Well, no, no, hold on. That's that's just negligence. That's like doing something <laughs> without a, a lack of. I don't I think like that word. Requires a conscious intention to do something. In my opinion, I don't that's like that word. But. I don't like that negligent word, but <laughs> hey, listen, I you should see the amount of negligence I bring to our organization when I'm trying things that, you know, where I lack some knowledge, like, hey, listen, you know, we're going to embark upon eight figures and we're adding a new division to our company and we got some other parts going on and we're entering some territory that's new for us. You know, I, I'm about to have a 21 year old in June and someone says to me, what's it like to raise a 21 year old? I go, I'll let you know in June. I, sometimes there are just new things, right? You try stuff. I jokingly tell my team all the time, I'm probably going to lose us more money. But thankfully, if some of the strategy we want to do works, I'll also help us make the most money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Travis wanted to walk through all those things. He wanted to walk through <laughs> literally everything. And the only thing that I had a problem with is we just don't, we're not going to move forward if we don't agree. And Why do like, you have I such a big problem with that? Because how does a business work like that? What do you mean we just don't do things? Like, and Travis, if you know Travis, Travis doesn't like to do things. He likes to talk about things and he likes to think about things. And then he likes to say, well, maybe we could do this. And then like four or five days later, he likes to come back and say like, yeah, we can't do that. So in my mind, this was never going to work. It was just never going to work. And then finally I had enough Medela where I was sick of arguing um, that no, it's true that I was just like, fine, we'll try it and we'll see. But I want to be able to revisit this in a year if it doesn't work. Yeah. So I, was, as a lawyer, I don't believe in gridlock, right? I always want there to be some kind of tiebreaker. So that's what I system, wanted. <laughs> that's what I wanted. In here, our are system, here are my buckets. Here are your buckets. This yep. is what I did. So this is what I did in my marriage, right? Like, yep. so if it's finance, household, kids, like, Big stuff. They're my buckets and I make the final decision if we don't agree on it. 
Yep. If you want to buy a new mop and I don't agree on the mop you want to buy, that's what you get to do. That's my, that's how that's his, his bucket household shit like that, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that's what I wanted to do in the business. And Travis was like, absolutely not. No way. We're not moving forward if we don't agree. And the funniest part about it is I thought that it was going to be a ton of gridlock from him all the time. Yep. And it's the other way. Yeah. I mean, the harmony in there. And so here's yeah. about where like, I'm going to once again, validate my dear friend with all his wisdom. We have a system built in our company. We help you know, doing legal work for companies. You don't inherently want a business to have gridlock because it could, it could lead to dissolution, right? So you want some element for not gridlock. But the funny thing is, even though we have a two for one type inherent voting system, we're 3-0 on anything we move forward on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we're 2-1, we don't move. There's a real power, I think, in that unity uh, because you're you're all in agreement in the way you move forward. And so there's a commitment, even if like uh, it's not necessarily what I would do, but I think it's OK. We can do this and I can get on board with going in this direction. Yep. 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 And so now I will say on some like what I'd say operational stuff, you know, we've invested authority into our COO. So, mm-hmm. you know, Rachel can make a software buying decision without invoking the board to <laughs> do certain things. I think we have to, at some points an enterprise has a lot of moving parts, but on on decisions that impact our organization, if we're not 3-0, then we have to sit and think about it some more. Yeah. Then it sounds like somebody has to come up with it sounds like somebody's come up with a better strategy that we can all execute on. Because if we're for two one, obviously someone doesn't see the clear proposition. Yeah, yeah, we don't do anything without each other. Like $25, I'm telling them I spent it. <laughs> and by the way, back to that story earlier, Emma, we break up under the two for two and one theory. Like it took a three-o and we we just kind of I encourage all partners to, you know, spend more time working through the issue because the resistance of someone not agreeing with you is actually giving you a chance to improve whatever you suck at. And and even, even things that I'm really good at. So even if I have something that I'm really good at and it's, it's been tried and true over and over and over again, just walking through and debating with him the best possible strategy, we've changed things that we've been doing for years the same way that works well but yeah. we've been able to make it more efficient, more efficient through the, I don't want to call it the argument, but through Travis and I, we, we never fight, but we argue non, like it's nonstop. <laughs> it's like, it's like a brother and sister. They're in the back of the car on a four hour long ride every day. Well, Rachel, exactly likes to point like out, Rachel likes to point out how old I am. So it's more father daughter with us, but we fight like a father and daughter. It's ridiculous. Well, I'll walk in. I'll know when it's going to be one of those kind of meetings because she's already hunched, ready for some defensiveness <laughs> and we'll get going, which I got to be honest with you. I'm a big Peter Drucker fan. And he talks about, I think the book's effective executive. And he talks about this idea that one of the, and actually so does Jim Collins in good to great talks about this idea that executives should actually be critiquing and criticizing and working out things. It shouldn't be like this utopian kumbaya. And so through critique and conflict, you can come up with things you can commit to. Yeah. For sure. For sure. I love that. Um, For us, it's, it's, it's a funny dynamic. It's a really funny dynamic. But. Well, you're just different, right? So I have no process. I'm not like you Rachel at all. I don't, you know, if there's some clog in our home for plumbing, I'm like, let's snake it. Rachel's like, let's rebuild the whole system. <laughs> I don't even think that way. I just like unplug the thing. And, and so it takes all of that, right? It takes those different body parts to make the whole better. And 
I love that. And so I think though, as a team, you can get close to perfect. I think as an individual, you got to that's probably the thing, Travis, if you ask, like, what do I do the most in leadership? Um, mm-hmm. I try my best to sh- like show the things that haven't worked and lead with some form of humility and hopefully some compassion and empathy and uh, show that, you know, teammates matter. Yeah. Um, and I know one of the things we were talking about earlier was kind of some of the strategies about like EOS and and implementing some of those things. Um, Vinny, have you, is that something that you guys have implemented in fully accountable specifically? You know, it's funny. We didn't actually know EOS when we were building our things out, but we love it. Like, yeah. you know, and the group that owns them now, uh, Firefly and all their team, like we love these folks. They're amazing. Like had we known it earlier, we just kind of put together our experiences and what we did, but we absolutely have probably more than a dozen clients and the system is amazing. Like mm-hmm. there's not a thing about that program that I would change. Um, so we love it. Yeah. We, but we had honestly, with all full disclosure, we, we didn't really ever know of Gino's stuff when we started putting our own things together, but I love is the stuff. I know it's not him anymore. It's the their crew, but the EOS is a wonderful system to deploy for your company. And I know you guys are big fans of it too. And so, yeah, we're big fans. Yeah. Um, and were there uh, questions or things that you kind of wanted to dig in from, from that perspective a little bit with fully accountable specifically? Well, now that I know it's not EOS, like I've seen the mural <laughs> of the core values in the wall. Yeah. We actually uh, implemented that for a few of our clients that have offices. Most of our clients nice. don't have offices. You, you're actually the CFO for both of them, but um, I, I loved that black wall. That you, nice. I think it was like two years ago that you posted the black wall with all the core values, yeah. like just before COVID. And um, we're actually getting ready right now. To, we added a fourth value and it's getting overlaid on top of the mural on top of it. And so I'm working with my guy now to get that in. But. So I'd love to hear about like your journey on, I don't know if you have like a core focus or if you guys do quarterly meetings because you just said you're not doing EOS, but could you talk to me about like what you're doing as far as an operational system within Fully Accountable? Yeah, so we built our sticks up, right? So, um, you know, I wrote a book after I broke one of our big companies called The CEO's Mindset. And it was from this perspective that if I was going to build it right, what would I do? And we kind of use that as our playbook. And, you know, if I'm a people first kind of person, right? So, uh, I sat down and really measured what was important to me and then to Rachel and Chris. And I laid down what were, what I thought was important. And then I laid over what I thought where the three of us aligned. Uh, and we came up with a list of what were our core values. And from mm-hmm. there, we narrowed it down from five because I don't know why three was on my heart. It, you know, I could argue Trinity, but it was it was just three was on my heart. And it, it wasn't a, really a spiritual underpinning. It was just I felt that we needed to be simpler and a little tighter than five. And I presented to Chris and Rachel that the three that embodied us the most were caring, committed and competent. And then I actually sent them with some homework to do and list out kind of traits that were important. And, and from there, it became our list of the subcategories that described each value. And mm-hmm. so it's so ingrained in everything we do. It's it's the scorecard that we use to uh, 
determine someone who's going to get hired. Believe it or not, it's the scorecard we use when we're giving someone the benefit of the doubt, whether they made a good or not so good decision in the organization. It's the scorecard we use when whether or not you're getting the benefit of the doubt to make it through your really bad decision. So for example, recently we let someone go from our team who was a manager of a department. His move was to lie about something. And we have such an important underpinning of our our, our duty of loyalty and caring. We care so much to tell the truth. Now that starts from this concept. I was raised in an environment where you lied. Everything was lying. Mm. I, I didn't even know at some point when my wife confronted me about my lying, I, I was like, everyone does that. She's like, no, actually, no, no, they don't. <laughs> you do, but I don't want that in our lives. And so I don't want it around me because of all, all of the triggers and traps in my life. Well, Thankful, I've got a couple of partners who care about those things too. And that's a big deal. And so if your first move is to lie to cover something up, you're so misaligned from our DNA, mm -hmm. it's probably really hard to come back from the death penalty. And so our best move is to move you off the team. And so um, that happened and and that's tough. Trust me, if you ever get yep. good with firing, then, then you're callous and you lose compassion. It's hard, but also my job is to protect our team. And so we live out those values like every day. Like we have our stand up every Monday. And every Monday we talk about kind of like just 15 minutes about company-wide stuff. You know, there's a lot of us on the team and it's 15 minutes of making sure everyone's on the same page. Well, at the end of that 15 minutes, we we highlight one person and one of the values that he or she embodied since last yeah. month. That's great. So for you guys, you're it's it's you start with the values. And everything kind of drives out of that. Yep. Um, uh, and then you also referenced meetings. How do, how do you guys run your meetings? Is there a way that you're kind of like a system or process for that? Or is it just kind of a weekly thing, a monthly thing? How, what's that? So we have a full stand-up wide. You know, I, the reason we have a stand-up for our company, I don't know if every company necessarily, I think you got to have reasons to meet, but the reason we have a stand-up every Monday for 15 minutes, and sometimes it goes longer if there's some major issue, but 15 minutes okay. is because we're a hybrid company. You know, more than two thirds of our people live all around the country and work. For right. us. And so we have a small corporate office. It's about a third of our team. And um, so I want everyone to be together and overcome that digital gap as best yeah. we can. So we do that. And then each department uh, has a stand up. Now, we probably shouldn't really go deep into this part of the subject because that's more <laughs> Rachel's domain than it is mine. Okay, and I don't really want to act like I'm sitting here suddenly got that whole part dialed in. But we do have structure in departments and managers and and kind of a flowing system that, you know, we, we aren't a big let's meet to meet company. Yeah. We have a specific way. We Our throughput of meeting came out of my software company. So we we, we have stand-ups to uh, address gaps, right? What are some of the holdups that came out of our programming team? Because, you know, someone was waiting for a piece of code or a thing and, oh my gosh, you just need to stand up and talk for five minutes. So we do more like that kind of agile type environment. We do quick stand-ups, uh, but we don't, we don't really do large, long meetings. And the only one I'm aware of is our management meeting. And I got kicked out of that because we want free-flowing talk, not answer the king. <laughs> by the way i got kicked out of that as part of being really sick and such a compliment to our company but i'm sure if time allows we'll get into a discussion around uh, you really want to stress test whether you're eating your own dog food and take 60 days off from your business whether you meant to or not and see what happens yeah yeah I, I, do you mind talking about that for a little bit because that was kind of yeah. a, a big ordeal yeah i got um, super sick um got you know um 
came back from trafficking conversion actually yeah and yeah. uh i saw you guys out there we hung out and actually we sponsored a party together and damon's still <laughs> working over being mad at me about that but he'll get over <laughs> that so and uh um i didn't I want to hear that story <laughs> well he had this amazing musician that was at the our yep. thing that we all i was there and Music yeah. i was invited to come and kind of be at another thing already when i committed to like sponsoring it and i just love damon i'm in for anything damon just like you guys are 100%, right 100 yeah so i was just in and i i actually didn't remember that i would actually show up to the early part of the party at least in my mind i don't know my words you communicated that so i showed up after the musician was done and i got this like look i'd get from debbie in our marriage when i knew i was in trouble and he just kind of came over and he's like i can't believe you missed him i'm like can i can i tell you something yeah Every single sponsor except for me. And we didn't do anything. So yeah. Damon, Damon, he listens to our podcast, actually. So we love yeah. you. Stop being angry because we didn't do anything. I literally stood around. He's like, he called me. And he's like, I hear that every one of the sponsors are going to this dinner and they're going to be late. And what am I to do alone? And I'm like, Damon, don't worry. I'm 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 coming. And all you need is me. I get there and he's like, I'm so glad you're here. Go get a drink. And then. There was nothing to do for like two hours. So he can get over being mad. I, we love Damon too, but he, <laughs> okay. But now you can go back to your story. I assume oh. that you actually did something because Travis also didn't show up until after I left because I just couldn't do it anymore. I was so late. Um, well, I would say that what Damon was trying to do, which I think makes for a great party. He was trying to actually have his sponsors have a great time. Right. Oh, and so he yeah. was so excited to introduce yeah. this musician to us so that the personal offense that I know that I did was not be there to receive that gift from him. And I so, didn't get introduced to him and I was there at six o'clock. No, so. I mean, but I, I mean, introduced in the sense of like, I know, I know, I know. Us, right. And so. I, I feel like it's an opportunity for Damon to give me another gift. So I'm going to give him a to do that. And uh, so I don't know. Uh, but what happened was on the backside of TNC is um, my wife and I were meeting my sister and brother-in-law in Charleston. So I flew right from California to Charleston for like a couple's getaway. We were celebrating some stuff and cool. that trip ends. We come home. My brother-in-law gets sick on Monday. And by Thursday, all, all four of us are sick. That Thursday starts, you know, I'm just sick. I'm like COVID yeah. sick and I, 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 I'm I, feeling awful. I get through about eight, nine days and it's not good. Uh, on the ninth day, I uh, got rushed to the hospital with pneumonia in my lungs and my lungs collapsed. And oh, it wow. took about 20 days from there to get like what I would consider three out of 10 stable. And then it took the balance of another 35 days to even get to the point where I was like really work capable. And so I was away from the business for just a day short. I think, excuse me, a few days short of 60 days. Here's a couple of things that happened. One, I learned some things. I learned that um, I don't know much, but I there's one thing I hope. I hope that this faith I have um, is true and I'm banked a lot on it. And I'm hope that the hope of, of joy is true Two, I, I know that, um, when I die, the people who love me are going to miss me. And I, it changed a whole bunch of things about me. I know that sounds crazy, but I, I, I got to learn that. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, I also got to learn that our business in some respects did better without me touching parts of it. And gosh, darn it, the humility hit on that in the, um, 
then the recognizing there are parts of the company that need and want you. And then there's a lot that you work to build when you, I, my philosophy is that a CEO running right should look more like an advisor and less like an employee. Well, we set out to do that and we we've been doing it. And so here I come back after six, by the way, want to be legit. I answered one text message in 60 days and it was only because it was a friend over reacting client who texted me on something because he didn't get an answer fast enough. And I pushed him back to Rachel on our team. And in the process, he found out he was wrong about something. We love you. I would never say your name out loud, Trey. So don't worry about it. And so <laughs> no, that would never happen. I wouldn't do that to you. But as a part of that, um, I didn't work on the business. But when I came back, I had a lot of time to reflect in that time I wasn't there. And I honestly assessed there were things I shouldn't touch. And there are things that um, I should be the one leading to the extent what that is. And, and I noticed that some of the stuff I should be doing, I wasn't doing much of. And the stuff that I was touching, I needed to not touch as much. So I'm a marketer. I'm a direct yeah. response copywriter. And so how dare I not run our marketing department? Well, I don't run our marketing department anymore. Because I noticed that the throughput was getting stopped by the persnickety old copywriter guy. And he's a zero to one guy, not a one to 10 guy. And so there was a whole bunch of half built bridges in that department. When in reality, today's marketing needs more throughput than it needs philosophy. And so um, that was a big, wonderful, humbling slice of punch in the face I needed to get out of that department. Um, I also realized that I wasn't enough involved you two are ridiculously good at this, like strategic partnership stuff, like outreaching out to people and kind of doing that. Like I was working so much on myself and us, I had stopped doing a little bit of that, mm -hmm. but I'm the best primed for that. And so we, we looked at time and said, uh, Hey, old boy, we got people running the insides. Why aren't you doing more of that? And it's good. It was a good assessment, but we grew in revenue, grew in clients. We grew in some systems, um, now, my partners, if they were here, would say, hey, we love having Vinny. He thinks ahead. He kind of comes up with strategies that we aren't thinking of. He pushes us. Yeah. But from an operation of the business, I'm so thankful to say that um, we stress tested me not being there and uh, lots of fun stories to tell about that. I'm glad I'm alive to tell some of those stories. <laughs> I was pretty sick for a couple of those days. Now, thankfully, I was never that sick, but I, I thought I was. And I'm yeah. glad here to be on the other side of it. Yeah. I love. Um you know, when you have people that you can just trust to run yeah. the business and run the operation, and it's like, I, I don't even have, like, we talk about it sometimes for M and I, and it's like, like, there's so many things to pay attention to. And especially with direct response businesses, it's like, there's fires, there's things that are going on, everything needs your attention. And so to be able to just take everything that you're looking at, trying to watch everything and say, Hey, you've got this section here to just cover this, this 90 degrees. Yeah. And now I, I don't have to focus on 360. I can focus on at least a little, little smaller piece of the pie. Um, and then building a team that can just have those types of focuses so that you can trust and actually that they're going to do, uh, do the, the, the job well and make sure that fires don't come up or things aren't attacking you or things are getting blindsided, like to protect that flank, if you will, um, is amazing. And it sounds like, you know, that was really the, the test that you were able to kind of run through in those 60 days is go. They've got all the bases covered. <laughs> yeah, we call it our my health sabbatical. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> not one I planned on taking, but but one I took. Uh, and you know, I'll tell you, I, I think it's important to tell the messy stuff. Okay. Yeah. It's important to business. It, it wasn't all sunshine and roses when right. I landed back. And I'll tell you why, not because things weren't working because Rachel had to make some decisions in my absence. And so then when I came back in, so I want to do some mm. real expansive things in growth this year. And I think in order for a CEO to have the credibility of his people, he's got to be present, aware and around. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I was gone for a couple of months. So some of those initiatives slowed down a little bit. So I've been a, I've been ramping up my awareness and activity a little bit. Well, some of that read incorrectly looked like and sounded like Rachel being threatened that I was taking back some of the movement from her. So we were fighting like children and um, we had to have it out one day and in a good way about, I'm not trying to do that. What are you trying to do? Like yeah. one of those, it, it, it was at the executive level where, you know, and I think I was mostly to fault for it because I was trying to get involved to help, but it looked like I was trying to get involved to take some things back. Yeah. I've noticed um, just in my own personal life uh, with some different relationships that I have when you're not around, it's very easy for motives and intent and all these other things to just begin to kind of stir up as something that may not even be the, the truth. Yeah. Right. Cause, cause you, if it, in a lack of, or in an absence of connection, there's uh, it's ripe for misunderstanding to just, to just grow in those types of situa situations. Yep. Um, totally. So yeah. So being able to kind of come back together, there's going to be a little bit of conflict. Yeah. Right. And I think, I think some people are just very afraid of having that conflict or being able to talk about something honestly and openly and look at the issue of what's coming up and, and what's really the problem here. How can we, how can we really identify what the core issue is without taking ego into consideration or without getting offended or hurt or upset? But like, what's the problem and how do we make this better? Cause there's so many things we can do to make life better, business, better companies, better uh, relationships, better. And there's so many things that we can do to make it so much worse. Right. So let's, let's choose the better. <laughs> let's choose growth, choose growth um, and improvement. And, and sometimes it means you have to take an honest look at the ugly stuff, yeah. right? The things that are causing problems. Um, so that's fantastic. I love that. It's um, funny. Um, one of my, my, one of my best friends, the night before I was going back said, so when do you think you're going to have the big fight? I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, you haven't been together for two months. He goes, every time you tell me you and Debbie fights when you come back from a trip. So what are you talking about? You're going to have one. Well, gosh, darn it. It wasn't 48 hours before the three of us had our first fight. And uh, it was good. We needed, we just needed to be back together. And it was an indicator that we care about each other and yep. we missed each other. And we liked the three of us being in business together. All of that was an indicator of health. You know, sometimes when people argue or fight, it's because they miss each other, not because yeah. they like don't. And so I think if you read it correctly, there's a, there's a, there's a wound in there, but it's one of loneliness, not of like, I don't want you around. I can do this without. <laughs> right. How long? I'd love to know. And I know you said this like 10 times, but I have ADHD really bad and can only have the attention. How long did you actually go without even speaking to them at all? Almost 30 days. Holy crap. I don't think actually, I, I take I, that back. I probably had I probably had like a, like a text or two or like, like Rachel is truly like a daughter to me. I mean, I, I, she has really grown up in her whole business uh, underneath like uh, opportunities and care in our relationship. So, I mean, she would check in, but I didn't want to be on the phone. I didn't feel good. Right. So yeah. we texted a little yeah. bit. Um, um, but it was like really no communication for 30 days. Wow. 
I, I, I don't think I could do it. No, no, no. You definitely could not do it. <laughs> I, you know, and I, I want to put a big mad props out. Homegirl stepped up and did it yeah. because like, and she was making decisions that otherwise she may have not wanted to make because she was forced to make them and she did mm. great. Yeah. And, um, and, but you know, I, I would have not want to put us through that, but I'm really glad we did because um, she stepped it up on her notch. She now knows she has some things she wasn't sure yep. she had. And our team is excited about, I, you know what? It's funny. I was sitting around. I told you there's a couple of things I learned. One was about like people missing me. I believe that when I die, that loved ones will miss me. I also realized that we have the type of company that's really good for our teammate. What I mean by that is it's stronger than somebody out of it. So a lot of businesses are propped up by the person like me who kind of really puts in behind the sale. And that person comes out of the picture. It's going to, it's going to take a hit. Well, on the back, even though some things slowed down, we didn't take a hit. And I, on the first company meeting back now, mind you, I lost 25 pounds. I've since put about 15 of those back on, <laughs> but I looked like death run over. So I'm in our first meeting. I sockets not so good, all that kind of stuff. And people are kind of staring at me like, what the heck happened to him? And I kind of occurred to me, I'm like, holy crap, I look awful. Well, in there, I started telling everyone how excited I was for our company because it's not reliant on whether I have a good or bad day. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't mind my business for that long. No, I don't. I, I think if you were on death door and in fact, I've seen this that you're like, uh, <laughs> I, but you know I, what's funny I, I, to be real, Emma, to be real. I don't think two to two and a half years ago, we could have handled it. I think it, 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 it isn't, it isn't, I think. So I really believe that everything would be perfectly fine. There yeah. would be a lot of crap and Travis would get a lot of gray hair. Yeah. And he'd yep, have to more. make a lot of decisions that he doesn't want. He wouldn't want to. Yep. Um, we both have our zones of genius, but we we both could handle. I think without the other, I just I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to. Yeah, better together. He yeah sure. he was out he was out with COVID. What were you out five days? Yeah, like a week. I think I went like two days without talking to him. <laughs> so just to be really clear, the first yeah. twenty one days. All I was doing. Oh was, no! Was I worried I, about all I was worried about was breathing. Yeah. Like, the yeah. last concern I had was whether yeah. or not we were filling up the bank account. Like right. you want to really call your bluff. Like take your air away. Like holy cow! And I am not someone who has asthma or bronchial issues or any things that go on with that. Both of my lungs collapsed. Now there were yeah. partial collapses, but here's what a deep breath was for me for almost fifty days. <laughs> oh god. And yeah, so yeah. all I thought about was breathing. So I didn't even want to get on the phone and talk about like anything stuff. else. No. I didn't even want to. I, I don't don't misrepresent what I'm saying. Like mm. I I'm I have an umbilical cord attached to Travis. So if yeah. I couldn't breathe, I would want to tell him that I couldn't breathe. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm you with you. And by the way, business. if something isn't right, he needs to know. And here's <laughs> another shout out to Chris and Rachel. Like we've worked well together. And you know, I get it. I've been in business longer and old and old guy and they call me grandpa and you know I resources that started things and all that great love it I'm so thankful for all that they wanted to like out of respect and love and like honoring of me they wanted to show me that they had it they didn't even want to bother me like they wanted a gift to yeah. hand back like hey we got it buddy like you just go get you don't better. Have to worry about it 
Yeah. We got this. And so when I tried, I like once or twice kind of remember, I think I'm trying to remember diving back in a little bit mentally. They had, they didn't want anything to do with it. I'll kill you, Travis. <laughs> but it was out of respect. It wasn't out of yeah. desire because we really did hold back some growth in the company and some initiatives and things were stalled out. And like, it was not, you know, for sure. Six of those eight weeks were um, like, nothing and uh yeah i i would have not wanted to, to well, you still have a business i think the moral of the story is you still <laughs> have a business. so clearly you've done a good job of getting to the, a place where it functions mm-hmm. by yeah. the grace of god i agree with every bit of that i think there's a i think businesses that are, make it through have like three things and i and i really believe this i think we have a whole bunch of luck things just come up at the right time I think we got some really killer people who want to work hard. They act like owners and Mm -hmm. gosh, darn it. We have a value proposition. We're solving a problem in the marketplace. And I think those three things have allowed us to overcome a bunch of dumb decisions we've made. Yeah. Love that. I think that's all, that's all valid. Um, And uh, you know, man, it's just, uh, I think it's a testament though. Like, like you were saying, you invest in the team and, and there's such a, uh, almost a joy or an excitement to see the, the people that you've been investing in yeah. to just take, like take off, right. To just do extremely well. And it's like, okay. It's kind of like being a parent a little bit. It's like, I had nothing to do with my kids, like doing great on piano or doing, you know, their activities or whatever, but it's like, <clears throat> yeah, that's my kid. You know, <laughs> it's like, and it's yep. kind of the same a little bit. Um, And I think businesses have stages, you know, businesses are no different than, you know, we all have children, right? You watch different levels of maturity and different opportunities and uh, businesses have like certain development stages. And so we were in this teenager stage where like we were unruly, had enough cash um, and businesses like go through certain development cycles. And to be, I think you got to be honest, like hearing these stories, the three of us are kicking around, recognize what cycle you are in your business. Yep. Like we all want to go emulate version three of someone's business when maybe we're in version one of our own. And, um, I've been guilty of that. And so, uh, this little pause, our health sabbatical allowed us <laughs> to recognize some places we were doing that as well. Yeah. And, and I've, you know, we've, I've heard, um, Ryan Dye speak and a number of other people speak about going through scales and transitions. And it's kind of, you know, when you're first starting out your business, like all hands on deck, man, it's everything yeah. revolves around you and you know, you're the, the spoke and everything. Right. Um, but then you get to the, you know, these different phases where you're making transitions. And again, like you were saying, uh, being more of like a coach or a guide, right. Or an advisor, as opposed to an operator. Um, and learning how to make those transitions at the right time, it, it requires you to change and you to grow and to develop. Um, and not everybody can handle those transitions well. And if you can't, you've got to bring in a team that can help you do that in the areas that you're weak. Have somebody who's really strong in those areas. Other than the, other than the black hole vortex of my children, I spend no other area more in money than my personal development. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah, my um, children pay outpace that by <laughs> by the size of the galaxy. But when you put that into its 
practice. Actually, I take that back. Deb and I, we used to do this thing called travel. So someday we'll do that again. But um, but I spend, I actually invest in personal growth, which I think ultimately leads to the professional growth of all the people yeah. around us. Is there something that you're digging into right now uh, as far as like professional or personal growth? So through all this process, I realized that I'm willing to blow off my physical health and some of my own mindset, mental health for the needs of our organization. And I actually think I had some of that wrong. I need to break out. So I give two or three hours in the morning to myself and it's usually reading or some devotion. And I noticed I wasn't giving enough of that to like what I would even consider entry level physical exercise. And Mm. so um, I started doing more of that and I've noticed a big uptick in how that's helping um, my energy, uh, Mm -hmm. my, my, my recall and everyone around me is getting more quality time than they are quantity time. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, Emma, is there anything else that we should wrap up on here before we, uh, you know, kind of close out our time with Vinny? So I actually would like to talk for just a moment, if you don't mind, Vinny, and, and hopefully you remember what services you guys offer. Um, we've brought Fully Accountable on for several of our clients, which yeah. have been, um, honestly, I was very much against it at the beginning. Travis was pro, mm-hmm. I was nay. I wanted I wanted more dedicated uh, financial support. Yeah. Um, and we tried it with one and it was like, Oh, okay. Yes. This is perfect. <laughs> <It was> perfect. <laughs> um, and we started with Lindsay and she's just phenomenal, by the way. Yeah. I really like her a lot. Um, but in any event, you guys offer a number of services at different levels for different clients. So it's, it's not a one size fits all, which is what I was concerned with actually. Yeah. More of a, where are you at in your phase? What do you know as an owner? What do you like to take on yourself? Do you know, do you want actual guidance and direction on budgets and um, projections or do you want someone just to maintain your books? So I'd love for you just for a moment to walk us through all the things fully accountable offers from bookkeeping all the way to tax services and what Travis and I are now utilizing. We ourselves are utilizing fully accountable to structure out because we have multiple businesses now that we're branching off into. We're growing and growing. And so we've actually met with your partner, Chris, on how to structure our own LLCs and then LLCs for our other companies and nice. so on and so forth. So I'd love to hear from you. Or I love our audience to hear from you. It's not a, you know, $10,000 a month CFO we're going to be bringing in. Though you have that, that's not necessarily the only thing you have. I'd love for you to just take a moment and walk us through all the different phases. Yeah. So, you know, our core, the middle of us is this, what we call your team, the controller package, who's the quarterback of the finance department. Yeah. And so I don't think most people realize there's four core positions in an accounting and finance department, right? You can't just hire a CFO and expect all this to be done. You have this bookkeeper, right? Um, you have a, an, a controller or what you might call a staff accountant. You have a CFO and you have a data analyst. Well, each one of those are core functions of a healthy operating accounting and finance department. And so when we set out to create Fully Accountable, we realized that the smaller the business, the enterprise, the less likely they look like a bigger business where they have a mature accounting and finance department. And so we set out to do all four of those positions. So each one of those are their own things where we run and reconcile your books, but we actually also run the entire department. That controller has all of those attributes. They have a data analyst. They have a CFO if needed. They have a bookkeeper. Now, remember, the bookkeeper and the controller 
in some businesses, people try to make those all one thing, right? What we call the staff accountant, some people call the bookkeeper, that staff accountant role is critical to running your general ledger, making sure your expenses are correct. The controller is actually a little bit more of a mature accountant. He or she is capable of budgeting and forecasting and actually closing out books. You're Mm -hmm. actually really more of a certified professional. And then above that would be the, the the executive, right? The CFO. That person is not expecting to do those other jobs. <laughs> She's expecting to be one of the executives in the company. And so I made the mistake of always hiring that person, thinking he or she would do all the other jobs. And I think most small businesses don't have the budget for it. Yeah. We have a CFO as an add-on. It's a core service of ours. Uh, we have a data department. These are actual fractional data analysts. It's not about a dashboard. It's about the analysis and the throughput. And we, of course, have the controllers. And, and, and then what you said, Emma, is exactly our motto. We can fill your entire back office or we can fill the core piece you're missing to make the whole thing run right. And so we work for CFOs that sit inside companies. Right. We are the CFO for companies. We work where we're just the CFO advising a team who has their own um, staff accountant uh, and everything in between. And so well, the funny thing is we set out to kind of change the industry and we're still one of the most cost effective parts of the industry because you get all of that wrapped up into a package. And, you know, we have like three packages that are our, kind of our starter where we pull them apart and our onboarding team decides or helps you decide what's the best package for you to, to put inside your company. Yeah. And it's, it's really, I mean, seriously, it's a really simple, seamless onboarding experience, both as client or with clients that we're working with. Um, because I think a lot of people get kind of intimidated. They're like, ah, I don't want to deal with yeah. those numbers. I don't want to do bookkeeping or uh, QuickBooks. Uh, I'm doing it Actually, myself. You know, they get intimidated <laughs> by something even far simpler than that. Probably even something I did. You're willing to live with, less better professional services on accounting because at least what you have in place they know where the bones are buried they know all the junk you don't really want to switch it you're willing to live with an inferior product because you don't want to switch yeah but but honestly like the reporting that you guys provide is so clean and simple and it's not like because a lot of people get financial statements and they're like i don't know what i'm looking at yeah right they don't know how to read them. They don't really know how to pull or extract it out. And I don't know how to read them. I don't know how to read them. And I didn't want to pay for the extra reporting. Let me just jump in for a second. Okay. Yeah. Time and I want to actually say something that's going to matter to marketers. You guys pull out um, not only like very marketing specific data that I need, but I know which time of the month my refunds are coming in. Um, and you guys look historically on when my mm-hmm. chart facts come in, you guys talk about when my sales are up or when my sales are down and over month and over last year. So I can actually go look at, um, this is something that I, and that's the data analyst side, right? So when you yep. have a data analyst, yep. you get all this reporting with it. And so we have different packages for different clients, depending on where they are. Yep. Um, if that makes sense. And so one of our clients has a CFO and a data analyst, and then we have a controller and a bookkeeper within the company. And so your CFO manages our finance team. Yep. And I work directly with her. And so we'll go through that data, which she'll bring to me and I'll go to our marketing department and say, okay, 
So on this day, we had this huge spend because we also moved from cash to accrual on her um, suggestion, which, by the way, Travis and I suggest that also makes way more sense. But um, because we had done that, she had come and said, "Okay, so every Thursday we have this increase in budget, but this decrease in sales. And so we dove into that and we found like two things that we were doing that were actually causing that within Facebook. And that came from our finance department. We our marketing team did not see it in Facebook because they weren't looking at the spend of the traffic the way she was. Yep. I don't know if that makes sense to most. Totally. I mean, you just described. I'm saying, I know it makes sense to you, but I'm saying to most of the people out there, right. Who listen to us, but I mean, it really, because most of the people that listen to our podcasts are like marketers, not really. You know where that started for us is because, you know, there's some false reporting in APIs. These softwares talk kind of nice together, but not so nice together. Right. You could be five to 7% off at any given time. And so jokingly, our first job before we got even better and better at it was to reconcile those things. And wherever the gaps were, was to show everyone where that five or 7% leaky, leaky leakage was. Over right. time, we've just matured the deliverable, but that's where it started. Yep. Yeah, so there you go. Sense. So even what's exciting, I told you earlier, we're launching managed HR and corporate services. So we're, you know, our, our motto is your back office solution. And it really, it comes from the hub of the accountant who really is the trusted advisor of the back office of the business. And so we're honored to be in that position for hundreds of companies and um, really uh, love people like y'all who do some amazing things for clients and use us as one of your secret weapons. Yeah. When I think, um, you know, even like, I think a lot of companies that would, they just like, well, let's hire a bookkeeper and get going. And, and, and then they start leaning on that bookkeeper for, you know, things that they're not really suited to do like HR or (laughs) things. It's like everything. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. I I just want to thank you so much for uh, jumping on and spending a little bit of time with us. Um, always a pleasure and always valuable. And so I learned something and also, just hearing the the things that you're learning and being able to share that with other people mm-hmm. um, and to really focus on what's important. I love that. Um, and it's a fantastic reminder to, you know, take a step back and, and to reflect on that. We don't always get the chance to do that. It's not always a, a gift that we want, <laughs> if you will. That's right. But, um, but when it comes, you know, you can, you can definitely see the benefit of doing that. And so I want to thank you for sharing that with us also. Um, and with that, I think we'll wrap up for today. And uh, just thank you and our audience for listening and tuning in. And uh, well, thanks, we... Travis Emma, for having me. I mean, you guys. Are thank you for fun. making finance and fun. Entertaining. <laughs> yeah. entertaining. We've had people come on talk about finance before, and we've never aired it because it was terrible. Yeah. True story. Well, the good news is that I'm actually not competent to have one of those roles in our company. We built this to solve <laughs> my problems, not because. So I'm probably not capable to have a mature discussion around retained earnings. You should probably get Chris on if you want to do that. Or Lindsay or somebody. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Thanks again. And uh, appreciate you. And we'll catch you next time. Yeah, thanks.